Hello, Omai, and Konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the upcoming prelims of UFC Fight Cards. This weekend, after much time away, is the much-anticipated UFC 246 Cowboy Cerrone versus Conor McGregor. We're all super excited about it, and... I'm sure you guys want to hear a whole bunch about it, but because this is the prelim primer, we won't be talking about that main event whatsoever. That's right, we are only focused on the prelim portion of the card for this podcast. Now, some of you are probably wondering to yourself, why only the prelims? Why do you not want to break down this main event that everybody is so jacked up about? And the answer is quite simple. It's because you probably have a whole bunch of different places where you listen to breakdowns of the main event. You probably also already have a lot of feelings about the main event. You probably already have a winner picked out in your mind. But you probably don't know too much about the prelims. And that's where we come in because we think that there is a whole lot that you could learn about daily fantasy sports and a whole lot you could win and lose in daily gambling on MMA events That happens on the prelims. So we're here to help you get a little bit more knowledgeable about that and hopefully win you some money. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is changing the way that you play daily fantasy sports for MMA. Because unlike those other guys, they don't have salary caps. So you don't have to worry about, you know, looking down the card for somebody who you don't really believe in and paying a low, you know, salary level to make sure you get them. Instead, you can just pick the five fighters that you're the most confident in, pick how you think they win, and in what round you think they win, and then you watch the points rack up. It's really that simple. Head on over to BSMMA and try it out today. And to help you out with those picks over on BSMMA.com, I am joined today by another savvy co-host joining me today, the voice of the MMA report, Jason Floyd. Jason, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, anytime, man. All right. So we're going to be talking about all of the prelims on UFC 246. But as you guys know, we have to start by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Roxanne Matafari versus Macy Barber. So Matafari, one and two in her last three. She lost to Sajara Eubanks, beat Antonina Shevchenko, and then lost to Jennifer Maya. Macy Barber is three and oh in the UFC. She's got TKOs or Jillian Robertson, JJ Aldridge. And Hannah Cypher's a very impressive resume. But here's my question for you. Barber is making a quick and reasonable climb up the rankings. But this is definitely her biggest jump yet, right? And and, and how do you like her chances given that huge step up? Oh, I think she's going to win easily. I, I don't even... It, this, this is the thing about Roxanne is she is going to be at a massive speed disadvantage in this fight. She is... I think her she has to find a way and, and you know, she's got a little bit of a reach advantage in the fight, but she has to find a way to get this fight in the clinch. Um, you know, I, I think no matter pretty much any fight that Roxanne goes into, she's most likely going to be a speed disadvantage and, and not be the more athletic fighter. I think this is a stylistically a great matchup for Macy Barber. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that, too, especially because like when you think about what Roxanne does well and what you think about when Roxanne wins fights. It's since she's been with John Wood and Syndicate MMA, she's been good at using her physicality, right? Like she, she's good at taking somebody down, sort of using some suffocating pressure, maybe some elbows from up close. She even got a TKO from elbows on the top. I just don't see her ever being able to get a hold of Macy Barber. And Macy Barber, you know, while we're talking about her quickness, is also very physically strong, too. So mm-hmm. I, I'm having trouble seeing any path to victory for, for Roxy in this case. So do you, I mean, obviously you got Barber here, but do you have a method that you like Barber by? I think she finishes the fight 
by stop probably by TKO within I would say about the first seven minutes. All right, I'm gonna take TKO in the second two, uh, second round rather than the first seven minutes. But yeah, I, I think she probably gets it done early, and and just the speed is gonna be so clear, like you said. Uh, and that's gonna take us to our second fight, which is Andre Touchy Feely versus Sadiq Youssef. Feely, 2-1 in his last three. After losing a split decision to Michael Johnson, he followed it up by decision wins over Miles Jury and then a TKO win over Shaman Marias. Yusuf, also 3-0 in the UFC, just like Macy Barber. He's got KOs of Suman Mokhtarian and Gabriel Mowgli Benitez and then a decision of Shaman Marias. So I'm going to keep the same question here. Just like Barber, this is Yusuf's biggest step up. What do you think Feely's got that his other opponents don't? Well, I think Feely can he use his range? I think that's that's one of the things about Andre is that you know when he uses his range, I, I think he can frustrate. This is and this fight actually might be my favorite prelim fight of the night. Um, you know, there's there's one other prelim fight that I really like as well, but you know, to me, I, I think for Andre, it's just if he can keep at range and not kind of get into a brawl. Um, and, and kind of stick there and utilize, you know, your, your wrestling, you know, being there at Team Alpha Male. Um, I, I like Sadiq Yusuf in this spot. I think this fight's going to go all 15 minutes. So I, I got a question for you, too, because you mentioned the wrestling in there, Andre Feely, which is pretty good. It's underrated. It might not be as good as some of the guys at Alpha Male. I've often been somebody who's accused him of falling in love with his wrestling and liking it a little bit too much. Do you think that that would be a good play for him here, or do you think it could potentially catch him in trouble? Oh, I think it's probably a good play. I mean, I, I think the thing is, is, you know, obviously for you mentioned about for this is a big step up in competition for, for Sadiq Youssef. And, you know, one of the things of, you know, you, you look at, you know, where he trains at, you know, they, they've been on a roll. So, um, you know, I, I just think for Andre, it's just don't get into a firefight, you know, pick and choose your spots wisely. And maybe he can eke out a close decision win. But I, I do like Youssef to win by decision. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to go with the same exact thing. I like Sadiq Yusuf by decision here. I don't think he can get him out because Feely is so tough. But, yeah, I, I just see him by decision here. Uh, and we got about a minute left, so I'm going to squeeze in one more fight here. And I'm going to squeeze in Sabina Mazo versus J.J. Aldridge. So Mazo, 1-1 one one in the UFC. She lost to Marina Mraz in her debut uh, and then followed that up with a decision win over Shayna Dobson. J.J. Aldridge is 2-1 in the UFC. She beat Pollyanna Viana, lost to Macy Barber, and then followed that up with a win over Lauren Muller. So uh, Mazo has sort of not been the prospect people were originally hyping her up to be. Here's my question. Does she have the output to beat somebody who's kind of a spark plug like J.J. Aldridge? Here's my problem with J.J. Aldrich is when you look at her wins in the UFC, they're not against fighters who've had success in the UFC. So I'm always kind of when I see that, I'm going, OK, how well can they do? You know, you start to look at some of her wins in the UFC. Um, you know, you, you look at, you know, her last fight, you know, or her very first uh, win in the UFC. You know, her opponent went 0-2 in the UFC. Daniel Taylor, 2-3. and Pauline Viana, 1-3. Lauren Mueller, 1-3. That's 4-11. That to me is, okay, you're beating competition that you're better than, but can you take that step up in competition? And and I just, I, I think Sabina Mazo would get the job done here. Really? Uh, and that's interesting too. Do you think she gets it done, uh, obviously, with the striking? And if so, do you think she can get her out of it? Uh, no, no, I think this is 15 minutes. I mean, look, I, I do a DFS show when it comes to women's fights. You pretty much by guarantee, it, you know, I think, I think the number is 67% of women's fights in the UFC go over two and a half rounds. I probably expect that here. All right, and I'm actually going to disagree with you on this one. I think Aldrich has got the output to take out Sabrina Mazo. I, I think just based on the fact that she throws so much volume sometimes, I, I think she probably steals some judges' scorecards that maybe she doesn't necessarily deserve. But I'm going to go with Aldrich. 
And that's going to do it for the end of round one. We will be right back with a word from our sponsors. Look, my favorite part about playing daily fantasy sports on bsmma.com is the fact that they have a fully customizable create a contest option. And the reason that I really love their fully customizable create a contest option is because I'm able to challenge my friends in whatever facet that I want to. Maybe I just want to play a free game against my friends to show them that they're idiots. They've got me covered. Maybe I want to take a little bit of their cash just in like a really friendly $1 game. That's cool. They, I can set that up too. Maybe I want to invite everybody I know for a big high stakes winner take all game. I can change the payout structure. I can change the amount of people in it. I can change the wager amount. It's all there on bsmma.com. So you really need to go check that out and get your friends involved today. Now, back for round number two. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Drew Dober versus Nasrat Hakparaz. So Dober, 2-1 in his last three. He had a decision win over John Tuck. Lost by triangle choke to Benil Dariush. And then KO'd Marco Polo Reyes. Hakparaz is on a three-fight win streak with wins over Mark Diakasi, Thibaut Gauti, and Joaquim Silva. So obviously both of them have showed off tremendous KO power as of late. Is it a foregone conclusion that someone takes a nap here? Most likely. I mean, I think the fight, I don't know about you, but to me, the, the fight that really sticks out to me about uh, Hasbras that win against Mark Dykes, I, I didn't see that one coming. Um, you know, Drew Dober, obviously, I mean, this guy's been with the UFC since, I want to say, 2013. Um, you know, the, you know, I, I think Hasbras has, has got top 15 potential. Uh, you know, does he have top five potential? I don't know. But I think he's definitely a top 15 guy, and I do like him to get the win here. Yeah, I, I like him, too. You know, when you, you talk about him having top 15 potential, look, I, I think – we sometimes are writing him off based on the the fact that he lost in his debut, right? He lost to Marcin yep. Held on short notice. I think he had two weeks to prepare for that fight. And Marcin Held is a hell of a grappler. I think he sort of found who he is, right? Like he's a good wrestle boxer. Uh, I, I'm impressed with his wrestling. You know, you mentioned him being able to, to fend off Mark Diacasey and even take Mark Diacasey down once. If you've got Hawk Barast here, how do you see him getting it done? I think it's a, a late stoppage in the third round by TKO. I'm actually going to take an early KO here for Hawk Barast. I think he's got dynamite in his hands, and I think he's going to get it done early. Uh, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Chaz Skelly versus Grant Dawson, a fight I'm really looking forward to. Chaz Skelly is only 1-2 and two in his last three. He recently got back in the win column uh, with a decision victory over Jordan Griffin after back-to-back losses to Bobby Moffitt and Jason Knight before that. Uh, Grant Dawson, 2-0 in the UFC, looking absolutely incredible with decision wins over Julian Arosa and then a rear naked choke over Mike Trezano. So Dawson, to me, fights quite a bit like Skelly, right? He mixes in the ground, or good wrestling, good submission skills. My question is, is Skelly strong enough or skilled enough to trade with Dawson on the ground? Uh, I think he's skilled enough, yes. I mean, now look, I, I've known Grant Dawson for, for years, so I, I will say this. I think sometimes uh, when you know a fighter, you've known them since you know early on in career, maybe some, maybe sometimes your blinders can be up. Um, I, I think Grant Dawson has got major potential at, at 145. You know, you know, what's the ceiling of that potential? I don't know. You know, but to me, I think it, this is my second favorite fighter on the prelims, just because if this fight goes to the ground, they're both very talented, but I do like Grant to get the win. Yeah, I, I really like their submission game, but to me, the thing that sticks out here is if I have to make a pick between these two, the the grappling of Chaz Skelly versus somebody like Bobby Moffitt, who is skilled on the ground, don't, don't get me wrong, but is also like 
very physically strong. That seemed to show a hole in the Chaz Skelly game there. You know, like Chaz Skelly is a, a amazing grappler. You mentioned his skills. His skills are very good. I'm a little bit worried about the physicality because Grant Dawson is so physical. Grant Dawson, you know, he took that that one year after that fake USADA test that that was incorrect, and he really put some work in. His strength and conditioning looks on point. I think he gets it done here. I don't know if he can get him out though. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if he gets if he gets him out either. I mean, I I would I would be surprise if this fight doesn't hit the third round, but I think most likely it goes 15 minutes. All right, and that brings us to one more fight in this round. I want to talk about Alexa Kamer versus Justin Ledette. Kamer, 5-0, and making his UFC debut after a flying knee and grounded pound finish over Fabio Chirant. Justin Ledette was 3-0 and in ranked as a heavyweight in the UFC. He then decided to try his hand at light heavyweight. He's 0-2 in the UFC as a light heavyweight with losses to Johnny Walker and Alexander Rachich. So, look, I got to ask, is there something wrong with Ledette at 202 or 205, or is this lack of success just due to the skill of the opponents, which are Johnny Walker and Alexander Rachich? I go with the latter. I mean, I, I think that you look at, you're, you're talking about two of the, you know, top 10 light heavyweights in the world that he's lost to. This is, this is my question with this fight is, you know, when you look at the other side of this, the fact of, you know, after five fights you're in the UFC, was he rushed to this spot? That, that is my concern about this fight, especially if you're looking to, you know, make a wage or maybe, you know, from a DraftKings perspective is to me, it's, it's, did they did his team put him in the spot too quickly? And, you know, we're going to find out. But I feel like if, if you know, you're going to put him in a spot in the UFC, this is a good spot, even though he does have a big size uh, reach disadvantage. Yeah. And I know you mentioned rushing him, too. I, I think that there's definitely some real worry there, too, when you consider the fact that he is a steep A training partner. So they're more incentivized to get him under contract. Right. So that makes even more sense. <laughs> My, and, and I'm going to go back to what you said about Ledette. Yeah, it's definitely his opponents. But the other thing I noticed too is that like he seems to be at a speed disadvantage here against a lot of light heavyweights whereas he had almost like a speed advantage against heavyweights I, I think that probably plays somewhere in here but I don't know if it's enough for Kamer to win who do you got I'm probably gonna go with death but I don't feel good about it I mean it's just you know with you know the other side of this one, I just I want to see it's one of these fights where I want to see him how they perform in the UFC before you kind of give that okay that's how I feel. But if you tell me I got to go one way, I'd probably go Justin with that. All right, and I'm gonna go with Kamer. I'm gonna go with him by uh, probably TKO on the ground in the second round, just because I think if he mixes in the wrestling, he's golden here. And that's gonna do it for the end of our second round. We got two more fights. We're gonna squeeze into round number three, but we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. All right, we already talked about how BSMMA.com is simplifying everything about daily fantasy sports with MMA. But the cool thing is, too, is they want to reward you for knowing how these fights are going to go. Not just knowing how they're going to end, but knowing how they're going to go. So, for instance, if you know that this fight is going to involve your fighter hitting a ton of takedowns, maybe they're going to win a decision. You already got the points for the decision. You already got the points for round number three. You already got the points for the winner. But you want to get a little bit extra for knowing that they're going to hit all those takedowns. You slap on the Slater bonus, and what that does is it gives you extra points every single time they hit a takedown. Now, if you don't think they're going to get takedowns, they've got other ones for knockdowns. they got other ones for one-punch KOs or ending the fight fast. There's tons of different options on there. Get used to their bonus system and get rewarded today. Now, back for round number three. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. 
going to start this round by talking about Tim Elliott versus Askar Askarov. Elliott, after a two-year-long layoff, returned last October when he was guillotined by Davison Figueredo, who is now fighting for the flyweight title. Askarov drew in his UFC debut versus Brandon Moreno. Here's my question to you. So you, you got a guy who's got no UFC fights. You can find some footage out there on him, uh, out on the web somewhere. But how do you evaluate that draw of Askarov? I think disappointing, you know, you know, talking to people going into that fight. I mean, everyone was really super high on him. Um, you know, so I think it's kind of, you know, you saw as that fight went on. I mean, Bram Moreno it was getting the better end of it. And, you know, if there was another round, I think Bram Moreno would would have easily probably got a stoppage victory at, at some point. You know, tell me on the other side is, you, you know, yes, he's been up and down, but look at his losses. It's all against, you know, the top competition. And, and I remember, you know, for that fight in October, you know, I sat down with him and, you know, he talked about just kind of how he's changed his life of, you know, t- you know, taking out, uh, you know, you know, drinking and things along those lines. And, and he seemed to be really in a good spot, um, you know, just because of how that Moreno fight went. I- I'm going to go with Tim Elliott here. All right. And, and I'm actually I think I'm leaning NASCAR as car off here. You know, like I, I know that that draw feels so bad against Brandon Moreno, right, because Moreno comes on in the end. But I'm just thinking about the fact that, first of all, he got himself out to a lead enough so that he could lose a third round, probably 10-8, right, on people's scorecards, and as a result, wind up in a draw. But we also have to remember that Brandon Moreno is a guy who just beat Kai Kara France and is mm-hmm. probably knocking on the doorstep of a flyweight title shot, especially with Suhudo out of the way, who's, I, I don't know, still a training partner, but a former training partner. So the, the fact that... The, Brandon Moreno is so highly rated, and we saw Askarov take it to him. I'm thinking I'm going to go with Askarov here by decision. It's not, So you took Tim Elliott, but are you taking him by decision? Do you think he can finish it? I say by decision. All right. Yeah, it's a flyweight fight, right? Like those, That's the safe bet, right? Women's and flyweight <laughs> fights. You got to go decision. Yeah. So let's talk about one fight that may not go to a decision, and it's our very last one on the card here, and that's Brian Boom Kelleher versus Odie Osborne. So Kelleher is on a two-fight losing streak, but those losses are to Montel Jackson, who got him by Darius Choke, and John Lineker, who got him by KO. Odie Osborne's going to be making his UFC debut. He's 8-2. and two. You might have saw him on the Contender Series where he fought Armando Villarreal. He picked up an arm bar finish. Now, uh, you know, you look at those fighters like John Lineker and Montel Jackson, right? Like big, huge, physical guys, sort of imposing skill sets, even though they, they did very different things to Kelleher. This is a completely different style fighter for Kelher to be fighting here in Ozzy Osbourne. The guy kind of moves around, picks and moves. Is that better or worse for somebody like Brian Kelleher, though? Uh, probably better. I mean, I, I think the fight that really sticks out to me about Brian Kelleher, and, and now after we know how it's turned out for him, Brown, not as great of a win because you know, we've really seen his career down downhill. I remember being at that fight and. That, that was just a performance I didn't see coming. And he, he went out there, and, you know, I think Brian Kelleher, his his back is definitely against the wall here. I, I think if he loses, most likely his time in the UFC will be over and that they'll probably, you know, potentially move on from him. Um, you know, Ode Osborne, I've had a chance to talk to him. I, you know, he went out there. That was a very impressive performance. But I think the big thing about this one is going to be that seven-inch reach advantage that, that Osborne is going to have. Yeah, I, I'm a really worried about that That reach advantage too because you know and, and if you're trying to find a connection for where you know brian keller had trouble with a reach advantage too you only got to look back a few fights to when he fought marlon vera back in long island you know marlon vera is a very tall bantamweight right a very long bantamweight he stunned him got him to the ground and armbarred him so like 
you know, and then now he's fighting a guy who's got crazy long reach and an armbar. He's coming off an armbar victory. You know, like, you don't want to draw exact comparisons because Odie Osborne doesn't fight like Marlon Vera, but, like, it, it gives you pause, right? It at least makes you worry. Then again, Marlon Vera is much bigger and stronger. Do you think there's any chance here that Kelleher, you know, uses some of that physicality and roughs him up against the cage? Oh, I think that's, that's a very good possibility. And plus, I mean, look, the, those octagon jitters are real. Yes, you you fought in the apex, but this is this is a different animal. I mean, you're talking about you, you're on, you know, a Conor McGregor fight car. There's going to be a ton of people there. Um, you know, the environment in Vegas is going to be insane. How does he react to that? That's always one of those things of, you know, there, there's things you know about a fight, but then there's things you don't know about a fight. And that's one of those things that how will Ode Osborne react to it? Yeah, I, I don't know how he's going to react to it either. He I, and, and, you know, you mentioned that you had an interview with him. I had an interview with him as well. He seems like a really confident guy, though. Not that we can't see see guys get shook up, but he seems like a really confident guy. Uh, and, you know, we're almost to the end of the five minutes here in the third round. Who do you got? I'm going to go Ode Osborne. Now, now, look, he's a teacher. My wife's a teacher, so maybe I'm a little uh, <laughs> a little blinders on. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take him by KO, too. I think he gets it done in the third round. I, I think he can probably wear out Kelleher. And like I said, I think Kelleher is going to probably overextend himself, getting frustrated with that reach. Uh, but that's going to do it for the end of our 15 minutes. We broke down eight fights in 15 minutes for you guys. If that's not quick enough for you, I don't know what will be. It's an exciting prelim card and an exciting main card. And I want to thank you, Jason, for stopping by and breaking down all of these with me. Anytime.